For those of you guys who have gone through DNA, you already know a little bit about Pastor Teofilo Hayashi. And this is one of my pastors. I, I told him last night, I said, hey, don't forget, you're a pastor in the house, man. You're a father in the house. So just come and speak to us like family. Like I know you live in Brazil, but Nashville. You know, I've had the opportunity to be with Dunamis and Mount Zion in Brazil, uh, the church, Mount Zion, that Teofilo. And so as we're welcoming uh, Pastor Teofilo today, I do want to ask that we could all just stand and honor him and the word that he's going to bring as he comes to speak with us this morning. All right. Can we give Jesus a big hand this morning? Thank you, Jesus. We love you, Lord. Uh, you can be seated. It's an honor to be here uh, this morning. Uh, Nashville. All right. Legacy Nashville. I love this. I, it's my first time here, and I'm already feeling at home. Is that okay with you guys? I, I love what God's doing here at Legacy. I love your pastor and his wife, Allison. We've known them for maybe four years now. And uh, last uh, four years have been really like, you know, it's a God connection. How many of you guys believe in God connections here? You know, my, 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 I have a, my spiritual father would always tell me, he says, you're only one connection away from your destiny. And it's, it's about relationships, you know what I'm saying? And so I really believe the Lord really connects people for, for, you know, for the purposes of the kingdom. I believe this is a, a God connection, and I'm so happy to be here. Well, uh, I know Lyle um, uh, has uh, introduced me, and uh, I know it's my first time here, so I don't know mo most of you. I've, I've got an honor to meet some of you already. But um, one of the things I want to do before I really get in the Word, I, I, I've... I have a video that I want to show you guys, and, and Lyle mentioned something about Andy Bird and, and a YOM. Uh, me and Andy, we, we kind of came up through YOM, and uh, uh, we were both in Hawaii in the beginning of the 2000s at the same time. I ended up going to Brazil. He stayed, and uh, he started this thing called Circuit Riders and Fire and Fragrance. I don't know, many of you might have heard that, but um, we've recently, like I said, God Connections, the Lord kind of reconnected our paths maybe four years ago, and we've been kind of really dreaming about what would it look like for another wave of missions coming out of not only uh, North America, but, you know, the nations going to the nations. So as, uh, you know, as, as something that we kind of felt the Lord just kind of pushes into, uh, there's this thing called 21 Project, which is a, a mission school, but for summer. So it's not the full-on uh, YOM DTS that some of you might have heard of. It's kind of like a more compact, uh, really revival-focused uh, version of summer uh, missions uh, school. And uh, we, we actually go to the nations, and we decided to do this training in Brazil. So we have a property there called the Dunamis Farm. Um, if I do get a chance, I'm probably going to go into that. It's a miracle in itself. It's 1,500 acres of farmland in the middle of nowhere in Brazil. And we're dreaming for the Lord to raise up in that place a, a full-on spirit-filled, revival-focused university for the Seven Mountains. And that's like our life project. But uh, in the meantime, we're running mission schools. We got DTSs running over there. We got a bunch of stuff. Uh, we had it last year. We're going to have it again. It's bilingual. Actually, I just want to introduce you. I have a friend of mine. He's part of our team in Dunamis. 
Paulo, could you stand up? Paulo is traveling with me, and uh, he's, thank you, Paulo. He's such a, a treasure to, to what we're doing there in Brazil. The Lord's been using him in the arts entertainment. He's, to, uh, he's an actor as well, and so the Lord's just really been uh, helping us really fulfill this dream of taking uh, the kingdom to the seven spheres of society. So uh, that's part of our, you know, our DNA. So anyways, uh, I want to I just go into the word. If you could open with me Mark 5. I want to share with you this uh, very known passage that I'm sure you probably have heard of this. And uh, there's four truths that I just want to share. If you're taking notes, I got four points. If you're not, take notes. I got four points. Uh, Mark 5, Mark 5. Um, and as you're opening there, Holy Spirit, you're welcome here. We know you're here. We pray that you would intensify your presence in this place. We just pray for double the anointing, double portion today, Lord. All throughout all the services that we got going on here at Legacy. In Jesus' name, amen. Verse 21 says, Now when Jesus had crossed over again by boat to the other side, a great multitude gathered to him, and he was by the sea. And behold, one of the rulers of the synagogue came, Jairus by name, and when he saw him, he fell at his feet and begged him earnestly, saying, my little daughter lies at the point of death. Come lay your hands on her that she may be healed and she will live. So Jesus went with him and a great multitude followed him and thronged him. Now a certain woman had a flow of blood for 12 years and has suffered many things from many physicians. And she had spent all that she had and was no better but rather grew worse. Now, I want to stop here real quick, and uh, today I just want to talk about Jesus. Is that okay? I just want to talk a little bit about Jesus and his supernatural power. And, and uh, I don't know about you, but I'm, uh, you know, a little bit about my testimony is, you know, I grew up in a Christian home. I'm a third generation uh, a pastor. Uh, my grandpa came from Japan to Brazil as a missionary to plant churches for the Japanese immigrants that had immigrated to Brazil. And uh, just a little trivia for you, uh, the biggest population of Japanese people outside Japan is in Brazil. So in my city, Sao Paulo alone, only in Sao Paulo we have uh, 300,000 Japanese people. So that's a lot of people, uh, Japanese people especially. So, uh, uh, so he came to plant churches and... Um, you know, I, I've been around church my whole life and uh, uh, loved, you know, growing up in Brazil, what you do is you play soccer. Any, any soccer people here? All right. We've got fans, players. All right. So we, we, that's what we do in Brazil. Every kid in Brazil wants to be a soccer player. I was no different and I wasn't good enough to play pro. I wasn't good enough to play, uh, you know, semi-pro in Brazil. So they said, why don't you come play college in America? I'm like, okay. So... <laughs> I came over, <laughs> 98, I, you know, I, I fly out and, and you know, I was, I was looking at schools, there was coaches coming through, and my mom said, you know, she, she, we, we were uh, linked to a church out in Pennsylvania, one in SoCal, and she says, I want to make sure you go to, you know, if you're going to go to America for college, you got to go in one of these two places or else, you know, I'm not going to help you, uh, but, um, or bless you, so I'm like, okay, mom, she says, uh, th these were the places where we had churches that were friends with our church back in Brazil, so anyways, so I get out to, to the school, this private 
Christian school out in, uh, in uh, Pennsylvania. And I ended up, re- I mean, really not, not finding people that were passionate. And I'm not, I'm not saying that was the reason, but I mean, it was my heart. You know, it just started growing cold. It was, you know, you, know, you, don't, you, don't, backslide, you don't backslide like on Saturday and then Sunday you decide I'm, I'm backsliding. It, it's a process. You know, you start getting cold. And, and, and I, was, I was growing cold. And I remember it was like two years totally away from the Lord, uh, totally just, just living for my own, you know, what I thought, my own desires. And I remember spring break 2000, I was, I was drunk in alcohol, not in the Holy Spirit, in alcohol, uh, in a club in Ybor City, Tampa, Florida, when the Holy Spirit, nobody laid hands on me. Nobody preached at me, no, nothing. I was there in the middle of the dance floor. Uh, my frat boys around me, I mean, everything around me happening, the girls, everything. And, and got a drink in my hand, been drunk for 10, 10 hours, spring break. And, and, uh, and suddenly, I just feel this thing coming over me. And, and I'm like, oh, no, no, not now. It's like, I'm thinking, Lord, let me finish college. Let me get a job and let me... One day, want to get married, then I'll go back to church and look for a church girl to get make wife, make me my wife. That was my. I'm just being honest with you. That was my mentality, right? And and, and suddenly the Holy Spirit invaded that club, and, and I started getting sober. Not not getting. I got sober in a matter of ten seconds. Boom! I was sober under the conviction of the Holy Spirit, weeping on the dance floor like people weep at the altar. So, so that was quite a scene. My, 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 my buddies are looking at me like, yo, what's wrong with you? What they put in your drink? I mean, all that kind of stuff, right? And I'm like, you guys wouldn't understand. So I drop the drink, run to the bathroom, throw water on my face, and suddenly I just feel the Holy Spirit like invading the bathroom. I'm like, God, and I know. I know I'm trapped by the Holy Spirit in that bathroom, and I know there's nowhere to run. And I'm thinking, Lord, okay, I'll live for you. I've had prophecies since I was born, even before I was born. I know it's time to fulfill these prophecies, and God, I will live for you. But I said, Lord, if I'm going to live for you, I want to live Acts. That was my thing. You know, for me, it was like I would read Acts, and I would say, if I could live this, why would I backslide? If I'm going to just live religion and go to church, for sure the club is more attractive. But when you start reading Acts and you start realizing what the early church lived on and what was their lifestyle, you say, bro, there's nothing more adrenaline filled. There's not an adventure. I mean, there's nothing more. Do you understand what I'm saying? More exciting than living this life of kingdom now. And I'm like, God. And I remember throwing water in my face saying, God, if this is it. I wanted to be real. I remember when I was a kid going to soccer stadium crusades in Brazil. Youngie Cho coming to Brazil. Are you guys familiar with Youngie Cho? He would come in. I would see people coming out of the wheelchairs. Carlos Anacondia in the midst, in the height of Argentina revival. These Argentines would come cross border to Brazil. And I would see the lame walk, the deaf ear, the you know, the blind scene. I was six, seven years old. And I would turn. My uncle would take me, drag me to these crusades. And I say, uncle, if ever I be a pastor, it's got to be like that there's something in the human soul especially if you're walking with Jesus you know a healthy Christian hungers for the impossible if you don't have hunger for the impossible for the supernatural you got to check your spiritual health 
Does that make sense? There's something inside that the Lord engineered you with as soon as you said yes to Jesus saying, Lord, I was not born for boredom. I'm born for the excitement of the kingdom. The kingdom is now, it's in movement. I'm going to go after it. Now, check this out. The Lord really did something to me in that bathroom. I walk out. I go to the dance floor. I go to my buddy, and I said, you know, I didn't live in Florida. I lived in Pennsylvania, close to Philly. And, and I was telling my, my boy who lived in Tampa, I said, listen, I'm staying with you, but give me your keys. I'm leaving. And he says, well, what are you talking about? I says, I, I got to go. I got to go. He's like, I'm done with this. Give me the keys. I'm leaving. And he says, bro, you can't leave. We got the after party. I said, man, you can stay at your after party. He says, no, 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 you don't understand. We got the after, after party. I said, bro, you do whatever you want. Give me the keys. I'm out. And I grabbed the keys. And as soon as I was walking out, I remember like it was yesterday, I stepped my foot outside that club. And I heard this thing in my chest said, why went? YWAM. I had, nobody ever told me about YWAM. I had no clue about YWAM. I just heard this YWAM, YWAM. And I saw Y-W-A-M. I, 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 it's weird for me to tell you. Today I understand that the Lord, Holy Spirit was giving me a vision and speaking to me. At the time I had no language for it. Right. You know, 30 minutes later I'm in my friend's apartment and I, I'm turning on his computer and I go to Google and I type that in. It shows up, Kona Base in YWAM uh, in, in Hawaii. And I, I start reading. I said, I think I want to do this DTS. So four hours after I'm drunk in the club, I'm applying to be a missionary with YWAM. That's the power of the Holy Spirit right there. So, so that's a little bit about my testimony. But, you know, ever since I started going to the mission field, I was like, Lord, I want to live Acts. And, and the Lord impressed me something in my spirit that is actually the first key here. And if you're taking notes, uh, you know, I, I want you to take a look at this, what's happening here. We say this is the story of the woman with the issue of blood. It isn't. It's not the story. I, I know the editors of your Bible put the subtitle, the woman with the issue of blood. Or, 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 or like in mine, it says a girl restored to life and a, and a, and a and a woman's healed. But I'll tell you what, actually, it's the story about this little girl that's Jairus' daughter. The, the whole narrative is, is Jairus' daughter. From the first verse that we start reading here, Jairus is actually waiting for Jesus to come off the boat. When Jesus comes, he says, will you come to my house and heal my daughter? She's about to die. So, so you got to understand that the narrative is all about Jairus, this VIP dude, in, in, you know, in, in, in their society, having a daughter that everybody knew because he was an important, he, he, you know, he was somebody, everybody was following up with him. And so why would you think that the crowds, you know, were following Jesus? Not only only because they wanted to see a miracle, but it's a different miracle. This is Jairus' daughter. And so they're walking towards this miracle. And this woman with the issue of blood says, you know what? I don't care if it's, he's not coming to me. I don't care if this is Jairus' daughter's party. I'm going to crash this thing. It's mine. I need this miracle. You know what I'm saying? And so what I understand is, you know, if you really want to experience the supernatural of Jesus, you know, there's something that we need to understand. It's like you got to honor the movement. You got to honor where the kingdom is moving. You know, a lot of us, we, we, we just sit in our chairs and we're like, you know, and I'm not talking physically. I'm talking like our attitude. Where we'll be sitting and saying, Lord, if you want to touch me, I'm here. You touch me. Lord, if you want to speak to me, hey, I'm here. You're God. You can speak to me. Hey, that woman was in a point where, you know, it says here on the last verse we read, verse 26 said she had suffered many things from many physicians. She had spent all that she had. Say with me, all that she had. All that she had. 
What does that mean? You got to come to a point where you do all that you can do and you say, Lord, now my only hope is you. If you really want to experience supernatural of God, you know, really the Lord takes you to that place where you spend everything that you have. You know, she's at that point where she's like, Lord, you're my only hope. And if you're my only hope, I'm going to honor the movement. I don't care if you're coming my way. I don't care if you're going to Jairus' house. You know what? I'm going to intercept you. I need you. I need that because you're all that I have. Everything that I used to have wasn't enough. I need you now. You know, I, I've actually experienced certain miracles in my life, and, and, and it's, it's amazing when you tell the testimony of the miracle. But, I mean, how many of you have experienced miracles in your life? Raise your hand. If you, okay, okay so, so this, you might agree with me on this, but, you know, it's amazing when the miracle is actually birthed. But how many of you agree with me? It's, you know, it's actually stressful till, it's a, till it happens. Right? I mean, you're on the verge of a need of a miracle, and, bro, it's stressful. I remember when we were like literally like uh, for I told you about the farm. We, we were the money 3.5 million came in literally 24 hours before I had to sign the contract. We've been praying for this property for two years. And I'm like, Lord, this is so stressful. If you were going to come with 3.5 million, why didn't you come two years ago? And I've been asking. I mean, I was happy. I was giving the testimony. Our church was going crazy. Uh, we were crying. We were hugging each other. It was a miracle. But then I'm, I'm after. I'm like, whoo, God, why did it have to be so stressful? And the Lord said, you know, you got actually, he'll take you to that place where your, your contacts can't do it. Your budget can't do it. Your reputation can't do it. Your last name won't do it. Your diplomas won't do it. And then he says, all right. Have you done all that you can? Have you, have you spent all that you have? Yes, Lord. All right, so now if I intervene, will you know that everything belongs to me now? Yes, God. Because it says, now I'll come because I won't share my glory with no one. And I'm like, Lord, you know, you know, so if you really want to experience the supernatural, are you comfortable in going to that place where he's all that you have? And that woman was at that place. He was all that she had. And so check this out. Number two is when she heard about Jesus, she came be behind him in the crowd and touched his garment. For she said, if only I. Say with me, only I. Only you know what? There's things that only you can do. Yeah, 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 yeah. I believe in impartation. I've, uh, you know, I traveled, uh, uh, you know, maybe six, seven months with Randy Clark. He's the guy that teaches on impartation, and, and I would translate for his crusades in, in South America, in Brazil. And, and he, every, every meeting, I'd be like, Randy, impartation. He says, I prayed for you last night. I'm like, I need more. And, and so it was, I mean, I believe in that kind of stuff. Yeah, yeah. But you know what? There's, there's certain things, there's certain breakthroughs that's only you. There's things that's actually the grace of God, and, and that's what I love about Jesus and, and the kingdom because there's things that, you know, at the same time, Jesus is saying, you know, the kingdom, if you want to have the kingdom, you got to be like a child. You just got to take it in and like grace. But then on the other hand, he says, you know, if you want the kingdom, the violent take it by force. So it's kind of like that balance and that tension, you know what I'm saying? And there's times where it's like only you. Only you can go and pray for yourself. Only you can fast for yourself. Only you can go and warfare for yourself. Does that make sense? There's times you receive by inheritance, by impartation, but there's times you got to go for war. You know, you got to war for yourself. And now this was one of those times, verse 28, if only I may touch his clothes, I shall be made well. 
And immediately the fountain of her blood was dried up and she felt in her body that she was healed of the affliction. So, so check this out. Uh, there's things that you say, Lord, I want to experience the supernatural. Are you willing to get to the point where he's all that you have? That you've done everything that's possible so that he can come in with the impossible. Are you willing to go and do things that only you can do? Are you willing to, you know, she had to actually get up from where she was. She had to go face the crowd. And, and you got to understand what, what she's having is, is, is a hemorrhage. And, 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 she's, and she's bleeding. And at that time, then the, science, the scientists did not understand that what's, what's happening there. You know, a, a lot of the theologians today, they will say what she had was probably cancer in her uterus. And, and uh, at that time, it was seen as an unclean disease. And she was put as a prostitute. She was marginalized. And she was trying to stay away from the crowd because every time she'd get close to the crowd, she'd be humiliated. Imagine the time she tried to get to the well or to the market to get food. And maybe the parents were trying to grab their kids and they stay away from that lady. She, she's, she's unclean. And imagine the humiliation she had to go through. But she had to get up and only she could do what she had to do. She had to get up. She had to face the crowd. And believe me, man, I mean, when Jesus was when he was moving around here on earth, I mean, the crowds were at him. There was a multitude around him. So I don't know if you've been like, you know, I'm sure you've been to a bunch of concerts and, 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 you know, sports events. You know, when that crowd starts moving in or out of a venue, imagine that. And she had to press through the crowd. She had to elbow somebody. Tell somebody next to you, I'll elbow you if I need to get to Jesus. You, you might have to step on some toes to get to Jesus. She was willing to do that. And she's like, I don't care if it's only myself. I mean, if it's only I can do this, I'll do whatever it takes. And she pushed her way through the crowd and she touched Jesus. There's things, you know, you, you got to be, a, there's some, some, some levels in the kingdom you're going to have to be aggressive. How hungry are you? And she was desperately hungry. Verse 30, and Jesus, now, now check this out. Verse 29, she immediately, that's the word, immediately feels I am healed. The fountain of her blood was dried up. She felt it in her body. Say with me, physical. So, so this is in the physical realm, something happened. She felt it in her body. So physically, she was healed. And then verse 30, Jesus immediately, knowing in himself that power had gone out of him, turned around in the crowd and said, who touched my clothes? But his disciples said to him, you see the multitude thronging at you, and you say, who touched me? And he looked around to see her who had done this thing. Now, it's interesting that it says that the Bible says that she came from behind. And, and, and you know, a lot of people believe that she came from behind because she was actually trying not to be noticed. So, so she had suffered so much humiliation before that she was like, you know what, I need my healing. I'm desperate for my healing, but you know what, I'm going to get my healing, and I don't want anybody to know that I'm healed because I just can't take this. You know, it's, it's not only a physical issue now. It's, it's an emotional issue. And, and so she's, she's, she's coming from behind. She touches. She knows. Immediately she knows she's healed. Physically there's a touch. All right, I'm healed. I got what I needed. I'm going to go out. I'm going to bounce. And Jesus says, eh? who touched me? And now the disciples are looking at him like, come on, Jesus. And, and there's another version of the gospel that says that Peter actually was like, master, come on. Everybody's, you know, everybody is pressing on you. What do you mean who touched you? 
which, which brings me to fear of the Lord because, you know what, when Jesus is in the house, you can have a multitude. But it's not, be, it's not when you have a multitude, you actually draw virtue from him. I don't, I don't want to be part of the multitude that doesn't draw virtue from him. You know, you know what I think about that? When I was, you know, I've been around revivals, and I love revivals. And I mean, I was dragged with my, my mom would drag me around to these moves of God. And, and, and it's, it's amazing. People go there to see the supernatural. I mean, supernatural is attractive. I mean, who, do, who wouldn't want to see a blind man seen? It's amazing to see a lame man walk. It's amazing. But that doesn't necessarily mean that you're touched by Jesus when you watch that. So there's a lot of supernatural activity going on, but I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm grateful for that, but I'm like, Lord, that's awesome that you're healing a bunch of people, but I want, I want my touch of virtue. And that was actually what she was saying. And, so, and so, so there was a crowd pressing on Jesus. Nobody was drawing virtue, but finally, when she comes, her touch is different. He says, whoa, who touched me? Does that make sense? I'm asking you, will your touch be different? Does your touch draw virtue? Because you could be just part of the multitude. And he, he stops and he says, hey, who touched me? And the disciples are like, come on, master. Everybody's here. And he says, no, 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 no. Who touched me? So keep going with me here. Verse, verse 33 says, well, 32 says, he looked around to see who had done this thing. But the woman, fearing and trembling, knowing what had happened to her, came and fell down before him and told him the whole truth. So, so this woman is probably, all right, I got my healing. All right. And now she's, she's on her way out. He's like, hey, who touched me? She's like, oh, busted. And so she goes behind a tree or behind a post or something. I don't know. And she's like, come on, Jesus, just go, just go, just go, just go. But you got to understand, Jairus is next to Jesus. And Jairus is on a time clock. And he's thinking, come on, Jesus. I, I mean, I, I don't know what's happening here, but come on, my daughter. My daughter, Jesus. And Jesus is like, all right, Jairus, just hold on. Who touched me? And Peter's in his face. Master, come on. His, this, man's, this man's girl's going to die. Come on, Master. He's like, no, no, no. Who touched me? And everybody's like, Jesus, everybody's touching you. No, no, there's a different touch. Who touched me? And she's behind the tree saying, come on, Jesus, just go, just go. And, and Jesus is like, no, 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 who touched me? Now, you would think, Jesus, why would you bother who touched you? You know you just healed somebody. That person knows she was healed. This, this man's girl is about to die. Let's just keep going. He says, no, I want to stop. He stops for the one. And he says, I want to know who touched me. And this, this, this woman with the issue of blood, knowing that Jesus knew all things, she comes out fearing and trembling, saying, you know what, there's no, no use in hiding. And this is what he says, verse 34, and he said to her, daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace and be healed of your affliction. Now, what you need to understand is verse 34 says daughter. And there's only two mentions of Jesus saying daughter in the Gospels. And one of them is this. This girl that was, or this woman that was actually marginalized, he says, daughter. You know, what, when I read this, it was like the Holy Spirit saying, you know, I always do the complete work. I always do the complete work. On the touch of the hem of his garment was physical healing. On the daughter, your, your faith has made you well. Go in peace. You know what that was? That was the healing of her emotions. So it was like Jesus saying, I'm not going to go on until I complete the work that I've come to do. Where are you? I've healed you physically, but I want to heal you emotionally as well. 
Verse 34 says, daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace and be healed of your affliction. So he says, daughter, saying, this is your identity. Your faith has made you well. Now go. Say it with me, go. I know that's the name of the conference, Go Conference. Go in peace. You know, you know, you know what that talks to me about? It's, it speaks to me about a father. You know, a father's primary three things a father does. He, he talks about your identity. He says, a, he, he tells you where you're coming from. He tells you where you're going. So it's identity. It's your origin. It's your destiny. You know, at every time I come in contact with the supernatural, if I don't come out of that encounter, knowing more, more revelation of who I am in Christ, knowing where the Lord took me out of, knowing where I'm headed to- towards and what my purposes here are for, you know, I'm telling you, if, if, you don't, if you don't see that or if you don't extract from your supernatural encounters, you know, this revelation of your identity and destiny, you're actually cheapening the move of the Spirit. You know, one of the things that brings fear to my heart, and fear of the Lord, actually, and not just, you know, not the bad fear, the good fear, is, is when I see people getting too casual with the supernatural. When the Holy Spirit is moving around and people are just, you know what, I want to buzz. I want to feel this vibe. Oh, it's vibey. I like it. You know, it's like people are, you know, oh, I like this. I mean, understand what I'm saying. I mean, it's cool that you love the presence, but you know, it's kind of like when you smoked weed before you got saved. I like this vibe. You know, bro, the Holy Spirit is not a vibe. He's a person that you're committed to walk with. Does that make sense? It's, 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 it's not an energy. It's not a power. It's a person. And, and, and so every time you come in contact with the supernatural, it's got to come to the point where it brings more revelation on your identity and your destiny. And Jesus was actually doing that. He's like, I'm not just going to heal you physically. I want to heal you emotionally. I want to actually tell you who you are to me. You're my daughter. And I want to tell you, go. Go in peace. That's your destiny. A walk of peace from now on. So that's number three, you know, supernatural encounters should bring about more revelation on identity. And he keeps going, verse 35, as he was still speaking, some came from the ruler of the synagogue's house, and and that would be Jairus, and said, your daughter is dead. Why trouble the master any further? Verse 36, as soon as Jesus heard those words that were spoken, he said to the ruler of the synagogue, do not be afraid only believe look to your neighbor say do not be afraid just say only believe so 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 this is exactly what's happening right so so jesus walking multitudes pressing she touches the hem his garment he knows he healed her he stops he says who touched me everybody's like come on jairus is like come on jesus my daughter she comes out of behind the tree he says daughter your face made you well heals her emotionally as he's finishing to finishing healing her and, and i mean i rushed through this it, it, it wasn't as as quick You know, it was actually longer. But as he's doing this, Jairus' servants, his employees, come rushing in and say, Jairus, Jairus, your daughter is dead. Don't bother him. And he's like, come on, Jairus, let's go. Let's prepare the funeral. And Jesus, you know, imagine Jairus now. Jairus is like, if you hadn't stopped for this, we might have not had that. And Jesus gets Jairus and says, hey, come here. Do not be afraid only believe 
So, so what is Jesus trying to do here? Jesus is trying to at least make the little bit of faith that is still in him survive. He says, I know you just got to took a hit in your faith. But here, 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 do not be afraid, only believe. He's trying to protect the little bit of faith that's left in his heart. And look at what he goes on and he says, and he, he says, do not be afraid, only believe, 37. And he permitted no one to follow him except Peter, James, and John, the brother of James. Now, if I could have the band back, is that okay? If we could finish up with the band? Okay. Yeah, all right, and uh, as I'm finishing up, you know, the Lord has really been speaking to me about this verse. Now, you might look at this verse and you say, well, I mean, well, what's this? And the Lord said, verse 37 is key for you. And he permitted no one to follow him except Peter, James, and John. I remember when I was going through this thing, and, and, and the Lord said, you know, you, you need to focus on 37. I'm like, why, God? He says, because that's the fourth key for you to experience the supernatural. He says, well, well what do you mean? Je Jesus comes to a point where, where uh, his... Jairus' employees are actually moving out of reality. Wow. And Jesus actually is coming out of truth. So, so reality is physical realm only. Wow. Truth is, you know, it's, it's first spiritual that will reflect in the physical. So, so truth is over reality. And so reality is your daughter is dead. Uh, truth is do not be afraid, only believe. A miracle is about to happen. And, and truth needs to feed in faith. Now, now you got to understand, like, it, it, we don't have time but to go into Hebrews 11.1, 1, but you, you're familiar with that. Yeah. And, and actually, hope, you know, hope is a product of your desires. So you want to hope that things will be good. You want to hope that things will turn around. You want to hope that, you know, a miracle can happen. But, but then you, after hope, there's a faith that kicks in. Now, a faith is the assurance. So that is actually in your understanding. So you start with your emotions and your desires. But as soon as that desire becomes an assurance, you're like, I know. How do you know? I just know. How do you know? I know that I know. What is that? It's a hope that evolved into faith. Starts here. Boom. I'm sure it's going to happen. And Jesus is saying this. Come on. Don't be afraid. Come on. Hope. Raise up. Raise up. Only believe. Let's make it a faith. And he says, okay, it's not going to happen here. Uh, multitude. Nobody will go on. You guys stay. I will not allow you to come. Peter, James, and John, let's go. And these guys knew what they had to do. So I imagine as they're walking toward Jairus' house, Peter comes up and he says, hey, Jairus, the other day, we're in the storm. Jesus comes walking on water. He calls me out. Guess what? I jumped out of the boat, man. I walked on water. And that's stirring up hope, man. John comes up and says, hey, Jairus, the other day, we were at this place far away from town. 5,000 people, no food. A little boy comes up. Two fishes, five loaves. Bro, he multiplies it. Feeds everybody. Jairus' face moving. James comes up and says, bro, we were out the other day. We are at this house packed. Nobody could come in. Nobody could come out. Suddenly the roof comes out. This dude comes down. Lame. Jesus says, your sins are forgiven. He gets up, picks up his, his and he walks out. They're feeding his faith. They're protecting his faith. Does that make sense? And he's kicking out everything that's faith busters. He's, he's, he's kicking it out. He says, you guys stay back there. You guys aren't, you're not going to feed into this. You just want to watch a miracle. He keeps going on and he's walking with them. 
Verse 38, then he came to the house of the ruler of the synagogue and he saw tumult and those who wept and wailed loudly. And when he came in, he said to them, why make this commotion and weep? The child is not dead, but sleeping. Verse 40 says, they ridiculed Jesus. Now you gotta understand that, that culture, they would pay for people to weep in your funeral. The more people you had to weep in your funeral, the more honorable citizen you were. And so, I mean, this guy was actually, he's pretty VIP. So he's probably had I mean, a bunch of people weeping in front of his house. It's like his front yard is full of people. Just, ah, and just walks in. He says, why are you guys weeping? And he's probably turning to try and says, just pay them, make them go. And they're like, no, she's dead. It's like, she's not dead. And they ridiculed Jesus. They're ridiculing Jesus. Verse, thir- uh, verse 40. And, but when he had put them all outside, I love Jesus. He's kicking out people. First thing, he's like, in the multitude, he's like, you guys can't come. You get kicked out. You're not going to watch this miracle. And he's walking with him and his three disciples. He gets to this guy's house. There's people weeping. And he says, here, Josh, kick them all out. Pay them, put them out. Why? I want to protect your faith. And as soon as they're in an environment which is safe and secure, an environment that is faith-filled, not only faithful, but faith-filled, he took the father and the mother of the child and those who were with him and entered where the child was lying. And then he took the child by the hand and said to her, Talita Kumi, which is translated, little girl, I say to you, arise. And immediately the girl arose and walked for she was 12 years of age and they were overcome with great amazement. So I just want to speak to you legacy right now. You're about to go into a season of miracles and you've experienced miracles up to now. This is not only a corporate word, it's actually an individual word for some of you right here. You're about to walk into a season of miracles. But you got to be in a place where you say, Lord, I'm comfortable with, with getting to the point where I've done all that's possible. Now it's only your impossible. I've come to a point where all my resources have been spent. God, they're not, they haven't been enough. You got to come through. He says, that place I will share my glory with no one and I can intervene. Number two is, Lord is saying, when you are willing to do the things that only you can do, Lord, I'm willing to go through this prayer and fasting season. I'm willing to be generous. I'm willing to go the extra mile. I'm willing, Lord. What is it that only I can do? That's the question for this morning. Lord, is there, only, is there something that only I can do? Number three, when you come, Lord, I don't want it just to be like a Holy Spirit fest and everybody just, ah. Holy Spirit, that's awesome. Lord, I want, I want to have an encounter with, an, with a, a deeper revelation of my identity with you. Lord, I want to walk out knowing better who I am in you, knowing more about my purposes and my destinies. Lord, I'm not going to cheapen your move to just a vibey thing. It's got to be an encounter with the person of the Holy Spirit. And number four, Lord, I am committed to surround myself with Peter, James, and John's. I'm committed to build this community as a community of Peter, James, and John's. We will not only be faithful, we will be faith-filled. You know, sometimes you gotta, you, you, you gotta walk out, you gotta walk away from certain crowds and be, be close to people that are gonna be Peter, James, and John to you. Sometimes you gotta surround yourself with people that are gonna fill you up with faith, fill you up with faith. And, and then there's another question that says, hey, who am I being Peter, James, and John to? So it goes two ways. And, and I believe the Lord is raising up Legacy Nashville as a community of Peter, James, and John. 
You know, that's a community of Mark 5.37. A community that has all the components ready for resurrection power. And I believe it's actually what the Holy Spirit is doing over the course of these last two months. And I know you guys are, are, are experiencing something different. And it's as if the Lord, I felt the Lord say this morning, it's as if you guys are actually with Jairus on the road. You're walking with Jairus towards his house. You're actually in that season where you're walking in your faith feeding and you're feeding him with hope and you're feeding him because you know you're on the verge. I don't know if you can sense that, but you're on the verge of something. Does that make sense? You can just see the clouds are coming. Oh, they're not big, they're the size of a hand, but still, there's a cloud. I don't know what it is. There's something about the atmosphere, it's just different. And you just know something's gonna happen. If you know something's gonna happen, just stand up with me real quick. I wanna pray with you right now. I just want I just wanna pray that the Holy Spirit will just ignite something in your heart this morning. If you can just raise your hands up wherever you are across this, across this room. Holy Spirit, we honor you. We position ourselves as Peter, James, and John's this morning, Lord. We want to receive from you, Lord, and we want to protect the faith around us. Holy Spirit, now I pray, would you come? Would you stir up our hearts this morning? Would you stir up our hearts this morning?